Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the mom hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, flying solo this week without Sarah Powers, my co-host, because this is one of our monthly Voices episodes where we bring an interview with someone we think you're really going to want to hear from. And I'm really excited today to talk to my friend, Amy Clark. Amy Clark is a blogger and an author. She is the owner of the website momadvice.com, which has been around now since the early 2000s. And Amy and I met a long time ago from blogging. She lives just about an hour away in South Bend, Indiana. Um, But her blog is one of the longest running ones I know of. It's really evolved from what she started off with as a kind of a living on a budget website to DIY and crafts. And now she's got a real reading focus, but she's also gone through some personal changes over the last few years. And one of them is that she was diagnosed with a chronic condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which I mispronounce a lot. Um, But EDS is an easier way to say it. And it is a connective tissue disorder, which means that her joints kind of pop in and out. She has a hard time sometimes with simple tasks that used to be really easy for her. And Amy is an Enneagram One, a self-described type A personality. And giving up control over some of the things that she used to take for granted was really challenging for her. She's a real go-getter. I've always admired Amy, and I've really admired the way that she has handled this condition and become an advocate for herself and for her two children who also have this condition. So we're going to hear from Amy today. Um, She's going to tell us about her struggle and journey with EDS, some of the positive things that have come out of having a chronic illness um, and kind of how it's helped her shape and prioritize her life and some of the resources that she uses as she's researching her condition and trying to come up with solutions for herself and treatments that work. We're also going to talk about the mom advice reading retreat that she just held. It was a real success and she was planning another one. So I know that you voracious readers are going to want to hear more about that. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. 
Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hi, Amy. So glad to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like you were one of my first podcast interviews. Really? Yeah, but it was like on the home hour and it was... Oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. You you had a new book out. Yes. um, (laughs) Like five years ago. Yes, that is true. Yeah, I was promoting The Good Life for Less, and you were gracious enough to let me come on your show. Well, you were a great, you were a great interview, and I'm excited to talk to you today because we still, you know, we still know each other five years later, Um, but a lot has changed for you in the last five years. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, before we get into kind of the newer stuff, I want to just give listeners kind of an overview of mom advice. Your site has been around for how long now? Yeah, so I started my site 16 years ago. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Which is just crazy because when you talk about it, I know like most people who, you know, aren't in this type of work hadn't really discovered blogs until Pinterest launched. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it was like everyone knew what I was talking about. But I feel like back then, you know, not a lot of people were aware of blogging and it, it obviously the industry has changed so much. And back then it was just writing from your heart and soul and sharing your family stories. And there was no like strategic element in it. And yeah. then everyone sat around and commented. And there was like this huge community of people just loving and supporting each other. And now we're all on mobile devices and everything has to be strategic to be seen. And People are being you have to be able to take pictures too. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you had to learn to be an expert photographer and understand how to do graphics and how to promote yourself and how to get your Pinterest pins even showing um, to other mothers. So, like, it's just one of those things where it's been interesting, challenging uh, creatively and also personally just to take on almost like an entirely different job as it's evolved 
over these years. It's I'm almost sure like understand. 10 different jobs, really, because you become really like a photographer and a graphic <laughs> designer and an SEO expert and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's overwhelming, but it's also the type of, I guess, brain activity level that I want to be at. Yes. So I am still in it and I've always been kind of every year, just let's take it year by year, see what happens. As long as, you know, people are still enjoying it, as long as I'm still enjoying it, I want to continue to cultivate community and share my work with the world. So we'll see how that evolves. You know, sometimes I talk about going back to work and then I start thinking about how it's so amazing to be able to work at home Yes, and be able to work around my kids all these years later, still doing the same thing. So yeah, it's just fun. I know you're a very similar headspace where yeah. you're, yeah, you like <laughs> a lot of wheels going, you and yeah. I can, you know, talk about whenever we sit down sometimes. and talk, it's nonstop activity <laughs> <Yeah>. about, <laughs> about what we want to like throw changed. back in the fire. Yes. Like what, what else can we do? Right. Um, and some even things we're exhausted, we're like, it's like, you can't turn your mind off. I and know. I think it's just kind of that creative headspace. It is. And I think it, some people thrive in it. Um, it's interesting when you mentioned 16 years, your life was completely different then. Um, so you're you, did you only have one little one when you launched? Yeah, Advice? so okay. I had my son, Ethan, and he was only a year old. And honestly, it was a little, it, it, you know, taking on a site called momadvice.com. Like, <laughs> it was really just about getting a domain name. I had no advice to give about parenting at all. Like, I was a mess. Uh, but it was just, this is a really easy thing to remember for people. So we took on that domain name and... We started out with like baby food and I was cloth diapering and doing things to save money. The whole idea of the site is just good living on a small budget. So we kept to that theme of like, how can you DIY things? And then uh, the DIY movement happened, of course, and it kind of evolved into like craft food, things like that, where, you know, we're getting all that Pinterest activity going on. But, you know, now my son is you know, doing driver's ed and we're talking about colleges Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing to, you know, I'm not going to go back. I, I only want to write about what's current and how I live in real life. I, I approach Instagram in the same way. Like I don't, it's not anything where I'm like planning out posts for like seven days. It's like whatever I'm doing that day I talk about. And I feel like that the blog itself has to continue in that way to keep me interested. But we yeah. bring in other people to fill in the gaps, like mm-hmm. writing about parenting and marriage and, you know, what books to pick for your kids and things like that. We bring on guest authors to share their expertise so I can continue doing the things that are interesting to me. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about the books, because that's become a big focus for you recently. Did you find it was because I know you are a big reader. Did you find that there was this like contingent of your readership that really wanted was hungry for more book content? Yeah. So the, that also kind of happened organically. I had been like, when I was a kid, I was a ferocious reader. My dad would take me to the library every week and it was something he worked swing shift and, you know, having a parent that has to work crazy shifts and works full time. It's it's hard to get in time with them, but my dad always made that a, a priority. And so reading has always been really important to me. But when I had kids, it's like, when am I going to read? Like mm-hmm. I can barely keep up with my children, but a part of me just felt like a hole in my heart because that was such a like identifier. It's, you know, being a reader is part of, partly my identity. And so I felt like, you know, I really need to make this a priority again. And so I started reading when my daughter was little 
and just started sharing books and people were really excited about this and they wanted to get back to reading too. And so I was like, maybe I'll start sharing book reviews every month. And I never imagined that that would be like such a big focus of the site, but that's how we've gained a lot of our readers. And then I thought, well, you know, I know, especially with Facebook and things, moms are feeling detached from each other and it's hard to like get people out and do things with the community or you're very busy as a mom. And so I thought maybe I'll start an online book club. And so I started an online book club and we started discussing books every month. And then I was thinking about those old days of blogging where people sat around and commented and there was a sense of community and a sense of, you know, like it wasn't like I was just writing to an empty room, which is what I feel like a lot where Mm -hmm. no one's, you know, interacting with the content. I know they're reading it. I can see that they are, but they're not interacting in the same way. And it wasn't gratifying to me. So I was like, I'm just going to branch this out and start a Facebook group. So we started a separate group. I think we have almost close to 2,800 members now. We do a monthly discussion online through Facebook, um, and it's been great. But then I started thinking, well, I was noticing that readers that had met each other through this group were kind of meeting in different towns and like getting together. And I'm like, why am I not involved in that? Like I brought these people together and I really want to be part of this too. And I feel a little left out of something I created. So I was like, I think I want to start a reading retreat. And so I hosted, we had 16 women uh, at this house where we, you know, we mailed them a book club book. We came in person to talk about it. They had all their meals provided for them. We set up massages. Everything was about books. We talked about books nonstop or people would just leave and read by themselves. And everyone respected that because as readers, we all know it's important to have quiet time. And it was such a huge success that I think that this is going to be my main focus moving forward. Oh, I love that. That is so exciting. Well, I, I definitely want to get into that more um, and talk about the retreat and just all the stuff that's, you know, going on with you professionally. But we talked about, you know, how far, how much things have changed for you in the last 16 years since you started Mom Advice, the last five or six years since your book, um, The Good Life for Less, The Good Life for Less, right? That was the name of the book, yes. came out. <clears throat> and a lot of that has been personal. Um, so. I know that you have been for the, like, how many years has it been now that you've been struggling with this health condition? Yeah. So it's been about two and a half years. Two and a half years. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So talk us through that. So you have this condition that you've discovered that you had, although it sounds like maybe you had it all along. Um, describe what it is and how the symptoms started to affect you. And by this point now you've got two kids, so you've got a daughter as well. So you, you know, and she's how old now? She's 13. She's 13. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So basically, I, about two and a half years ago, I was having difficulty doing my Christmas card invitations. It kind of started in my hands. I was having a lot of hand cramping issues and losing feeling in different fingers. And I was just really struggling with energy, not feeling well. I had gotten a bug. And then it just like, I just could not recover from it. And so this Christmas card thing happened. I ended up going into the doctor after the new year and being like, you know, I think there's something going on. And they originally diagnosed it with like carpal tunnel. And then I would come back in and they're like, it's radial tunnel. It's something to do with your elbow. 
elbow. I met with a hand surgeon. Um, and he was like, I just don't think this has anything to do with, you know, necessarily like a radial tunnel or carpal tunnel right. issue. I think that you need to explore that more. And so I ended up uh, at a Bible study and I'm really, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not religious, but me joining a Bible study was very unusual, but I was just really having a hard time. Like this elbow issue was really difficult with doing DIY craft and food yeah. and typing on a computer and I couldn't use my hands. And then it started to affect my knees where I was having difficulty getting up and down my steps and just just in a really awful place. And so I joined this Bible study and I kept coming in and every week I had something braced, like I had a finger brace or I had a wrist brace or I had an elbow braced and then I had my knee brace. And finally, the lady that was running the Bible study was like talking to me a little bit. We ended up getting on the discussion of, you know, eating gluten-free. And I was like, yeah, I just feel better. I have no reason why I started doing it, but I just, I think I feel better. And she was like, yeah. So she started asking me all these questions and she's like, I just happened to notice that you keep coming in here with something braced on your body. And I'm like, yeah, you know, things just keep going in and out. I have no idea what's going on. I, it's just driving me crazy. And so she started asking me some really like basic questions, like, you know, I'm going to ask you some really strange things, but can you take your pinky and bend it all the way back? And I was like, yeah. She's like, can you, you know, touch your toes without, or put your hands flat on the floor without bending your knees? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've always been flexible. I've always been like kind of a show off in yoga. And like, so she's asking me all these weird flexibility questions. And she says, Amy, I think that you have a connective tissue disease. It's called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. You need to go back to your physician and talk to him about it. Wow. And so I got home and we kind of had this big discussion at the dinner table and I had a follow up planned and we were talking about it in front of the kids and, you know, they start doing their hand tricks like, oh, yeah, I've always been able to do that. And we're doing all these crazy bendy things. And, you know, I'm starting to look at them and be like, uh, hold up, <laughs> oh, like what's yeah. going on here? Like, I didn't realize that they were that flexible. And so we ended up going in for my son's checkup and. I was like, I don't want to interrupt. Like the whole mm -hmm. thing is like, I feel like I've been a burden. And I think that's a really hard thing with chronic illness. You always feel like a burden to your doctor, especially as your file gets thicker and thicker and no one knows what to do with you. And, you know, it's just really frustrating. It's embarrassing, which it shouldn't be, but it does feel like that um, when you keep coming back because you almost feel like a hypochondriac. Mm. So I wasn't going to bring anything up. I didn't want to bring it up at his appointment. It wasn't about me. And Ethan goes, hey, mom, are you going to ask him about our flexibility? And so my doctor turned around and he's looking at my son and he's looking at me and then he's like, uh, I need to do a check. And so he started going through this flexibility thing and he was like, you all have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So this um, is the same doctor you'd already seen. Had you already seen him about your, yes, he had so no idea. He hadn't and put so, the connection together until no. he saw your son. Okay. Yep. All yeah. Right. And, and honestly, like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, there's, so many different types and all of them are different. But uh, this particular type is the only one that doesn't have a genetic marker for yet. Mm. They're, they're doing research They're right now. They're actually gathering people for a study, but there isn't any like identifier at this point. So it's not anything that you could get flagged on a blood test or like anything like that. So it wasn't necessarily something that he would necessarily screen for. Right. But my son had 
scoliosis and Raynaud's and he had ADHD, Asperger's. So we had a lot of like diagnoses that were already under this. And every person that has Ehlers-Danlos has basically a tree of different things that go along with it. It's never one thing. It's like, okay, you have this thing, but you also have like seven other things that you didn't know about. So this diagnosis and having three people being diagnosed all at the same time was like, it was just unbelievable um, whirlwind as a parent Mm. to be like, oh my gosh, like this thing is happening to all of us at the same time. And basically they hand you a bunch of handouts and he's like, I'm going to schedule you with a specialist. And ironically, one of the top specialists in Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, like as like a whole foundation happens to live in South Bend, Indiana, where I live. And so we were able to meet with someone without having to travel and get confirmed diagnosis, which is what we all have. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you find out that you have this condition. The kids aren't symptomatic at this point or at that point weren't, except for the the, the bendiness. Were they having any pain or anything like that? You no, know, I have one kid that's very run down. Yeah. Um, but but in general, no, it's it's definitely not something. And obviously I was 38 before I got diagnosed. So as long as you're like taking care of yourself and you're exercising, and I do think a lot of things like, you know, eating well and exercising and doing the right things, those things really paid off for me for a later diagnosis. However, like there were things that always went on that when I was a kid, it's unexplained things that you could never understand, but now all suddenly make sense when you start connecting the dots to things that had happened in childhood or in college and newly married and all of these things where, you know, stressful moments where my body wasn't cooperating in the way it needed to. Yeah. So do you think maybe that that bug you got maybe triggered something? Is it that kind of condition where it yeah, can be triggered? Yeah, she said she thought that it was definitely kind of a domino effect, you know, and, and that is the hard part about this is um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome isn't something that you can repair or fix. It's basically your body's made of faulty connective tissue and our bodies are like over like 80%, I think, connective tissue. So it's like it affects every single part of you. And the biggest issue is that your joints don't stay in place. So mm-hmm. that's why I kept bracing things is because basically your your joints aren't going completely out. They're going slightly out. So if you've ever had like maybe you like hit something or like kind of goes out a little bit, that happens on a daily basis, mm-hmm. sometimes multiple times times a day, or sometimes, you know, I'll have patches where I'm perfectly fine. And then something happens and the domino effect happens where you start becoming reliant on a joint because the other one isn't fully operating. And that's kind of what was happening first. You know, my hands were going out, but then that triggered my elbows to go out. And then now my elbows are interchanged. I'm using my lower half more. So Mm -hmm. it's all of these things where you don't have control over it. And as a type A perfectionist, mom, a go-getter, um, type one Enneagram. Yeah. Type one Enneagram (laughs) all the way type one. Um, it's just been challenging in the aspect that there is no control over it. I can't help it. There's nothing I can do. I can't really outline my day the way I want because it's all kind of dependent on how I feel. Yeah. So here you are with this diagnosis, not just you, but both of your kids are you feeling relieved because you at least have an answer or is this like, is there also this, um, I mean, this is for real. This isn't just going to go away. Yeah. Honestly, 
It's it's hard to say. I I do obviously I feel very relieved to know what's going on. It's just it's disappointing when you find out like something's going on and there's no like nothing you can do because as soon as they say hey, this is what you have. I'm like, great, let me fix it. Like, what do we do? Like, what do we buy? How do we wrap this up? And it wasn't a situation like that. It's not something anyone with an autoimmune or chronic illness condition, it's it's something that you can't necessarily fix. And that is the most frustrating part about diagnosis is that sometimes that diagnosis doesn't lead to like fixable options. I know how to take care of myself, but honestly, because what I have is considered more of a rare disease, a lot of it is me trying and and buying and doing things and figuring it out on my own. And yeah. so, you know, there isn't really a handbook. There's not really a lot of guidance um, because honestly, we're still trying to figure out where this is coming from, like what's happening. And so everything that I'm doing is for my kids. So anything that I do obviously is helping me to be a better mom because I'm, you know, able to function better if I can take care of myself well, but it's a whirlwind of appointments and medications and, you know, visits with specialists. And it's just an ongoing thing that is almost like a part-time job in itself. But everything that I figure out, I hope that I can, you know, help make the way easier for my son and daughter. And I think it's going to be people like you who are doing this, who help move the needle too for other, you know, across the board for other people as well. Cause it sounds like you're just kind of winging it, like DIYing your medical care. <laughs> yeah. And it, that is really true though. And yeah. it's like, you know, you could spend thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, honestly, just trying to get answers. And I've bought, you know, things that have not been worth the money and things that have been, you know, life-changing for me or figuring things out on my own. But it's really just been a process of, you know, buying and trying and doing things and then sharing them on the blog because I know originally I was kind of like, I want to keep this separate. I want to deal with this on my own, but I was falling apart. And I think it's important when we're writing that we are vulnerable and to not share that almost felt like I wasn't doing my part in society because why would I not share that? And why would I not make that something that someone else could have? And I would like to sit down at some point this year and write an ebook that would be something where I have everything in one spot because we have so much information that I've been hunting and gathering that I think would be beneficial to anyone who has chronic pain. And so I try different things and then I share about them. But, you know, it's an expensive hobby. Being sick is a very expensive hobby. And it's like you could pour hemorrhage money into everything. And obviously everyone's pushing you with like the homeopathic stuff and there's a lot of MLMs that reach out and there's a lot of things, you know, because everyone kind of wants to be in that story too. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of figuring out, you know, how am I going to tell this story in a way that's authentic to me? Right. And, and, and stays true to my values, which is, you know, good living on a small budget. Like I'm not going to push you to buy things I don't think would be beneficial. Um, but I will offer advice on things that have been beneficial that are affordable or tell you how to, you know, get them a little bit cheaper as best that I can. Yeah. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them. 
which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Hyo was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Hyo's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so we're back. And Amy, you were just describing kind of this DIY. What did you say? Being sick is a very expensive hobby. And so <laughs> yeah, it really this, is. This DIY. You have a lot of money to blow. I yeah. highly recommend getting sick. Well, let's talk about some of the specifics of this. So let's talk about, I mean, you talked about your joints popping out and things like that. So I'm assuming this is pretty painful and you get worn down, but people probably on the outside can't see it. Like you don't look sick. I just spent a bunch of time with you a few months ago at mom 2.0 and no one would look at you and think there's something going on. So is that something that you really struggle with this whole idea? Like how do you kind of clue people into the fact that you are having a hard time or like you need to modify what your, your experience or whatever, or your involvement without sounding complainy? Cause I imagine that's really hard for you. It is really hard. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a joke in, in our community, in the Ellerstein and Lost community, that most people that have this connective tissue disease look super, super young. Um, you have a different elasticity to your skin. And mm. so you don't wrinkle and you look very youthful. And sometimes they'll play games within the community where they're like, I'm going to post a selfie. Tell me how old you are. And they're like, I think you're 40. And they're like, I'm 95. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. So like, that is a perk, right? Yeah. Like, um, a you know, perk for me. Uh, but yeah, the, the, that is one of the biggest issues is that you, you know, you look well rested, you look fine. And yet you are carrying this around. And I think what's been really difficult for me is, you know, 
if I need to sit down or if mm. I was going to use the handicap chair, like something like that, where I feel like, oh, I should stand up because I don't look like I would be worried that someone would look at me differently. Right. And, you know, it, it is exhausting. It, I get run down. Um, but I try to like always keep that together. But what I've learned, you know, as the years have gone by, honestly, this has been an enormous blessing in a lot of ways because I ended up going to therapy, which I highly recommend for anybody that, you know, was initially diagnosed with anything because it is like that grieving process of letting go of the idea of who you were. And it also brings top of mind, like, how do I want to spend my time? If my time is so limited or if I only have X amount of energy to give to something, am I giving my time to the right things? And am I giving it to the right people? Mm. And really, honestly, one of the best weeding out processes of friendships is can they hang with me when I'm not yeah. where I was before, right? Mm -hmm. Um are they going to be able to still be friends with me if I'm not a ray of sunshine every day? Mm. Um, and if they are okay with the uncomfortableness of chronic pain and being sad, you know? And so that has been a huge learning lesson for me about setting boundaries with people that are energy drainers that don't really need me taking myself out of the equation of a lot of things that I don't need to be involved with anymore and really focusing on making the most of every minute of the day in a way that makes sense for my new life. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that in many ways it's relaxed things. There's like, I don't have the energy to keep an immaculate home anymore. It's just too exhausting. So I had to be okay with, you know, letting go the idea of being a perfect, you know, like homemaker and right. making sure everything's perfect for my children and doing millions of things, you know, like crafts and birthday cakes and all of these things and saying like, it's okay to buy a cake or it's okay to not decorate or how about we just get pizzas and that's the celebration. You know what I mean? And taking everything in my life down a notch has given me some compassion and forgiveness for myself and also allowed me to look at people around me in a different way too. Mm. So I think that even though this has been hard and awful, there are lots of good things that came out of it because I've refined my friendships. I've refined my relationships with people in my family. And also I know now what's important and I don't have time for drama and I don't have time to be involved in anything that's going to take away important and valuable energy for my own body. <laughs> oh, no, I love that. That makes so much sense. And you just, um, you described it to me when we were together at, at mom 2.0, was it popsicle sticks? What was the yes. analogy you had? Well, okay. Spoonies. spoonies yeah, there's right. a spoon theory. Yeah. And that's very popular within, you know, the community that of anyone that has chronic illness, but basically you have X amount of spoons to give every single day. So, and whatever that amount is, everyone has a different amount too. Like not everyone that has other stainless is even affected by it. And mm -hmm. some people are in a wheelchair and yeah. some people need a feeding tube. I mean, there are lots of different situations where everyone's illness doesn't look the same. And I think sometimes 
that was a big thing about being judged as well. Like my illness looks different. Like maybe someone else can still do yoga and amazing things and like, you know, run a business and all those things and, and is doing wonderful at it. But for me, it's harder now um, because my issues are my hands in, mm-hmm. in particular. So the spoon theory is basically everyone gets X amount of spoons for the day. And then you have to really designate and think about your time in a different way. So like things that I didn't really think about is taking up spoons, washing my hair, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, preparing a meal for everyone, doing a load of laundry. Those are all like spoons and some of them take two spoons and some things one spoon. If I blow dry my hair, that's another spoon. You know what I mean? So it's thinking about all of these different little activities that I really didn't think about because it was such like, it's an ingrained routine thing. And suddenly saying like, okay, what can I get rid of? Or how can I like manage my day in a different way where this takes less spoons or Mm -hmm. could I not do that thing today? Um, And so like some days I'm perfectly fine. If like I have to work in bed at home, I can still work um, and and just stay in my pajamas. And so then I don't have to like get dressed and do my day. And that, you know, it's all thinking about like, what could I trade in? for something else or what do I want to take off so I don't use up anything because anytime that you go over your spoons the next day you suffer mm. so I might have an amazing day and that's really hard too because you know I do want to do everything so that day I just kill myself and then the next day it's like I can't move like so it's thinking about energy in a different way and reserving and like thinking about each activity as being something that's going to take something out of your energy instead of just, you know, going through your day like you normally would. I love that. I think that is revolutionary, even for moms who aren't dealing with, um, with a chronic pain issue or a chronic illness, like everybody only has so much energy to give. And if you blow it, like for you, you've just had to kind of face that in a very right. concrete and real and way. I gave my time to so much garbage. Yeah. Like when I think about what I was doing with my day, I'm kind of embarrassed. Like when I think about it, it's also a growing up thing. I do think 40 was very pivotal for me where I was like, I had this really great conversation um, with a friend who I always go to if I'm like, I don't know how to figure this out. But I was talking about, you know, this big transition and feeling sad and mourning the loss of things. And she was like, Amy, I think 40 is going to be so magical for you because 40 is like, what do I want to do with the second half of my life? Mm. Right. I don't want it to look like the first half. I want it to look differently. And suddenly when you think about that as like the second half, like how am I feeling that? And what am I giving my energy to? And just being more accountable for your time because it's not forever, right? right? Like we only have so many years on the earth and we don't know what those are, but, you know, doing the very best that we can with the second half is like a real gift. And I think it's, it is definitely something that happens with a lot of women when they hit 40 or around that age where all of a sudden it's almost like a light switch. Like, why am I doing this? Like, (laughs) I don't want to hang out with these people. Like, I don't want to do this. I was giving myself to so much that didn't, I didn't need to be involved in. And Mm. I don't want to spend the second half of my life giving energy to anything that doesn't bring me joy anymore. Yes. I'm Marie Kondo in my life. You Marie Kondo (laughs) your life. I love it. So you're, so now you really can be, I mean, it's almost like forced you to be kind of cutthroat really about, and I mean that in the best possible way, but like your priorities are maybe they're your friends, your families, your passion, your work, your husband, whatever they are. Right. And if you 
blow through spoons on garbage that doesn't matter, you might not be able to physically able to get to the other stuff that really does matter. And you don't really realize like the emotional thing about how much energy our emotions take out of us, you know, Mm -hmm. and how as a type one, you know, I really do like, I, I shut down a lot of my emotions because I want to present the best. I want everyone to feel happy. I want everyone to be comfortable around me. I know I'm very like protective of like how I talk to people or how I present myself. And I didn't realize how much emotional baggage I was carrying around with me. Um, And one of the things that we worked through with therapy was kind of like my whole idea of like, well, you know, I can't keep up with the house, you know, and the therapist is like, okay, and then what? (laughs) Well, you know, everything's going to fall apart. Okay, then what? well, you know, I'll just be crazy. You know what I mean? And he's like, yeah, but really think about that. And I think that, and then what, like all of these things that we're putting in our, you know, emotional space, like really at the end of the day, does it really matter? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Like nobody cares. Like I'm the only one that cares about presentation and how that looks to other people and letting that go and thinking like, Hey, if this isn't something you want to be part of, I understand, but I, this is me. Like, this is the real me versus the, you know, kind of like wanting to be this perfect person, presentation person that I was. And if you don't like it, like, I'm probably not for you anymore. And that's okay. And knowing that you can't be everyone's cup of tea, it's okay. And knowing that the people that were willing to stick it out all these years, right? And stick it out through this illness are the ones that I want around me forever. Like yeah. they are the people that I will always, always know that like I don't have to be anybody else. And those are the kind of people you want in your circle if you're sick or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I love it. What about your kids? Did you have to kind of help readjust their expectations? Because you were this like super mom running around doing everything. I imagine doing a lot for them. Have they had to adjust? And do you see some positive effects from that as well? I think that they appreciate when I'm available to them. And like, I have had more time because I do need to rest more. So I think in the end, it's been beneficial to everyone like that this, you know, ended up happening. But I don't think that, you know, I think it's hard because Mm -hmm. I always thought that they would want, want that kind of mom. Um, and I kind of adjusted myself to the expectation that I had in my head of what a good mom is and what she provides for their children. And I'm still a good mom and I'm not doing half of the things that I thought were necessary to be a good mom. Mm. And I love my children, you know, if I'm doing everything and I love my children, we're not doing anything, but I think that, um, they have been gracious in the way that they don't expect things from me. It's always been my own thing. Right. It's my own battle within myself Mm. to be okay. Letting go of the perfect mom philosophy, which we all need to get rid of. But I definitely think in some ways it's like, you know, whatever impacts you in your childhood, you kind of like want to shift whatever that is and like make it better for your kids. And I wanted to be, like the best. Mm. And I realized like how exhausting all of that was. And now I feel like I'm still a good mom, but maybe we just hang out on the couch and watch Riverdale together. Maybe we're not like crafting and doing all these things for Pinterest. You know what I mean? So it's definitely shifted 
for me, but I don't think they ever shifted. Like she's not here for us. And right. I, I yeah. never, they never have been like that ever. Well, it's interesting because for in your mindset, it was like being a good mom was what you could like do, like do, do, do for your kids or with your kids. And now it's like, you're just being, and when you strip all that away, you realize like what really matters was there all the time, but maybe like yeah, you couldn't and, get to and, it. You know, <laughs> honestly, like my husband ended up switching jobs mainly because of the health insurance situation. But we had this year where I had slowed down on my work. I just, I couldn't do it. And, you know, Ryan had decided to move to a different company where we had, you know, better benefits and, and he was able to like have an actual nine to five job where he was able to leave that and not bring that home. Cause we were just like in this tornado of working parent crazy. And when we both did that, you know, we were both like, wow, this is almost like feeling like being on vacation a little bit because we weren't in this high pressure cooker situation all the time. But every new year we sit down with our kids, we do an like a steak dinner and then we do this like whole Q&A thing with our kids about like, what are you proud of this year? You know, what are we proud of this year? Like, what could you do better for us? Like, what could I do better for you? Or like, what have what are you proud of us for? Um, and I think it's interesting to hear what your kids think about you, like what they think you should do better. And, <laughs> you know, like, for example, they told my husband they would like for him to not talk about politics so much, like, which we were like, ooh, <laughs> awkward, that's you know? So funny. Um, yeah. And so we were like, wow, really? That's like a thing? Or like, cool, interesting. cool, we'll do better. <laughs> um, but they also were like, something we're really proud of you is that you're home more. And yeah. you do more stuff with us. And we really like being with you. And it was kind of like, well, dang, mm. like, yeah. you know, that actually solidified the importance of the shift we were already working towards, yeah. but like how that shift impacted our kids too. Wow. So you mentioned earlier, um, I love that it actually gave me a little bit of chills, but um, I, you mentioned earlier that you're some trial and error that you've gone through. Can you share anything you've tried that maybe was like a little kooky off the wall to you that worked or didn't work? Like just some things like that you didn't expect to work that did or have helped in some way. Um, I'm just really curious about that side of things. Yeah. So I have bought some really weird stuff um, <laughs> to like try to like minimize my pain. And one of the weirdest things I bought was a um, personal pop-up sauna that you could buy on Amazon. So it's like this, like got a camping chair and a little <laughs> remote control thing and you plug it in the wall and it's an, it's, called an infrared sauna. I highly doubt it's infrared, but whatever. It's this little sauna warmer thing and you zip yourself in. It I it could be a meme. That's why I've never posted a picture of myself in it because I feel like it would be like one of those things where people Someone would, would pick be it like up and using <laughs> it as an image. Um but yeah so you like you climb in it and just your head is out and it has two little zippers where your hands can come out and read a book. Um but heat for me is really helpful especially with Midwest winters. And so I actually love this thing oh and my it gosh, up I to like it. 150 degrees and anytime I'm having joint problems I have Raynaud's as well where I have poor circulation in my hands and feet so it's like one of those things that's such a treat um and everyone you know that ever comes over if we have enough wine we all try it out and like it's a hilarious night in um with my friends <laughs> so yeah so that's one of the weirdest things I also discovered something called a quell which it's Q-U-E-L-L. -L. It's a 
kind of like a TENS unit, which is like an electrode unit that the people use for pain. But it's something that you wear around your calf. And basically all of your nerve endings kind of travel up through the calf, or the most of them do, and through the spine. And so it gives overall relief to the body. And it was approved by the FDA for 24-hour use. So you can wear it all day and it basically does a session on and a session off, a session on and a session off. And you control the whole thing from your phone and you can log in your pain and all of these things. But that has been extremely beneficial, um, particularly because of the opioid issue. Uh, it's very difficult if even if you legitimately need pain medication to access it. So it's it's forced me to find other options yeah. and the qual has been amazing and it doesn't you know it's doesn't have any medicine or anything any side effects and they give you like 60 days to try it out so if anybody wants to try it out they can just try it out and if it doesn't work for them you can just return it because 80% of people get chronic pain relief with it um, and 20% don't so it's like one of those things that I'm like I probably won't work for me I sent it to my sister and she's a nurse she looked it over and she was like it doesn't hurt to try and yeah. it's ended up being one of my favorite gadgets I love that. And so you've, how are you finding all these things? I know I really love the idea of you putting together an ebook, by the way, because I, I feel like you have all this wisdom that you need to compile someplace, <laughs> but where do you have resources you can share for someone who might be listening and, and just wants to know where to start? You know, the mighty is a great website for people that have chronic illness. They also have a community aspect to it. And I did find a lot of things. They have a lot of like Amazon, almost like Buzzfeed shopping lists where you can, you know, these 10 things are really great for people with fibromyalgia or things okay. like that. So it's a great spot to start kind of hunting. Facebook groups for whatever illness that you have are amazing, especially if you can find positive groups. Uh, okay. Because I do think like, especially with one of my groups, I was like, I can't read this. Like, I just can't um, because I'm in my own, you know, cesspool of despair and I don't really want to be involved in anybody else's but there there are groups like positive groups like I have an EDS life hacks group that is only like positive helpful things that would help someone else and I spend a lot of time on that board as well and I read anything that comes out about chronic pain I also encourage anyone who has any type of disease that they find the foundation and sign up for their email newsletters because that's how I discovered that uh, for my particular disorder, someone donated anonymously a million dollars towards funding research so that they could figure out what the genetic marker is. And right now they're recruiting volunteers to help them with the study. So like being part of things like that helps me know, like once they switch the code for insurance, that it's actually something that can be you know, documented medically, those are things that you find out by being part of a foundation group or newsletter and, and staying active within your own community. Yeah. I also volunteer to write for them. So I do a lot of research for articles that will help benefit people with chronic pain or with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So it seems like you would really have to be your own advocate because with something this rare, like your doctor can't possibly know all of the things because there's so many different conditions to know about. You really have to become your own. Uh, honestly, your own like I feel like I come in and teach them. Even mm -hmm. my um, pain specialist, she had never heard of the quell. And it's like, I, I don't understand where the disconnect is with a lot of things. And I do know, like, obviously, um, it's hard to stay on top of everything. And a lot of things are fake or gimmicks, you know, that we, I, I do think a lot of times I felt like 
you know, I would throw any amount of money at anything, really, honestly, to like get something that would fix it. And I have researched every vitamin, every supplement, every supplement routine, like all of that. And you could pour so much money and time and effort. And I felt like I was getting almost obsessive about it because it's like, if I could just unlock this code, Mm. that that would be the thing that would unlock the world for me. You know what I mean? And like, get me back to my old self. And it, there isn't anything. Um, but it's, it, it is a foundation of several things that I've implemented myself and mm-hmm. figured out myself and taught my doctors how to help other people and also just helping other people. I probably get at least three messages or emails a week about someone who got diagnosed and needs help or wow. it looked at something on the site and finally realized what was wrong with their child. I love that that's part of my job, but it is also overwhelming because you know, I want to give everything to everyone. And that's why I really do need to sit down and write about it. Um, because I feel like I'm just saying the same things over and over and over. And it's hard to help other people when you're really not able to do that. So it's, it's just been an interesting thing, but I definitely have been, I feel like more the educator than the patient in most situations at the doctor. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. This is like so much (laughs) and I appreciate how honest that you've been about everything. I assume you're writing about this um, pretty frequently on your blog and stuff. So if anyone's interested, they can, they can go to momadvice.com and find your posts about EDS. Yeah, they can find them. And also we do a newsletter and anytime every week I sit down and I try to spend a lot of time writing out new things that I've discovered that help. Um, CBD is like a new thing um, that I think people are really interested in that I would like to sit down and write about this week. Um, But that has been probably the most helpful thing that I've done for myself is to explore that as an option for pain pain medication. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you and I had to go like find some. (laughs) I'm serious about my CBD. I really do um, (laughs) think it is essential uh, to have access to that especially, you know, Indiana, we've had it pulled from shelves and put back on and then pulled again. And I'm really hoping now that people are starting to really see the research and and how much it's helping people get off of opioids, that CBD will, you know, be readily accessible and also will be something that will become more affordable over time. Yeah. And it's, I think just to describe it, um, a lot like, and you were even saying that one of the frustrating things was you weren't allowed to fly with it. So it's legal in all the 50 states, but you can't fly with it because so we had to like go find some when we were in yeah, Austin. We had to go find like a CBD on. bar. And things, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. And you know, even like going out of the country, like we went to Iceland, it's illegal in Iceland. So, you know, things like that where you're like, okay, I'm gonna have to have this lapse. There's a definite difference for me and my pain if I have it versus if I don't. And if I have good CBD versus terrible CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know. Anybody, it, there's really a lot, very few regulations right now. And that yeah. is the challenging thing is finding a legitimate company. And if anyone is on the hunt, I did find one company that um, I highly recommend called Lazarus Naturals. And they offer low income assistance. Uh, they also offer discounts for veterans and people on disability. Up, and they do 60% discount, which is incredible. Um on CBD and CBD products. So if you qualify for any of those, that's really helpful, but they also have the most affordable price. And CBD is just like, I could talk about CBD all day. It's something that you have to figure out dosing for yourself and like what's gonna touch your 
personal pain situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people hear CBD and they still think weed and it's not, it's not yeah, the same no, thing. It's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do not get high from it. Um, you make it relaxed, um, right. but not high. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I'm going to link up, um, I think you've got a couple posts recently that we can link to, or maybe we can just like link to just to mom advice. I'm assuming we can probably find it in a tag or something like that. If yeah, you, yeah. I'll, I'll send you some things. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, check the show notes guys. Cause we will have um, resources for you there. All right, Amy. So part of this big shift for you, you know, your diagnosis, turning 40, your kids getting older is that you have shifted, um, the thing and the blog, the blog landscape also shifting at all at the same time. So you've really moved in different directions than you used to. And one of the things that you talked about was your reading retreat. So I'd love to end, um, our conversation by talking about the reading retreat and just what, how that kind of came together, what it was like, when are you doing it again? How can we find out more? Yeah. So the reading retreat, um, I hatched that idea probably in January. I read an article about these being popular in the UK. It wasn't really something here, or if I did find one, it was basically people going somewhere to read, but they weren't necessarily like bonding or yeah. doing anything together. It was just like an individual activity, which is lovely too. Like who doesn't want to check into a hotel and be taken care of and read all day? Like everyone I know would. Um, but yeah, so those were the ideas behind the things that were based in the U.S. But in the U.K., they were doing more interactive type things. And I told my husband, I'm like, I really feel like a reading retreat might be a really good path for the book club because they're already meeting on their own. They're forming these friendships. And I know for me personally, anytime I go to like conferences and things, people are like, oh, you're so lucky. And it's like, these are, my internet friends are my real friends. Mm -hmm. Like you're my real friends. Like we met through the internet, right. but like, you know what I mean? Those people are my support system. And I do think in particular, this generation of moms, um, it's challenging to get people to leave their home or like organize anything or do anything because right. we all feel so intertwined with social media. We're like, eh, I'd rather stay in. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm finding with a lot of moms is that they don't necessarily have a support group. Like I had a mom's group that met every week and we had these great get togethers and like, no one's doing that, um, in our area right now. And it's one of those things where moms are struggling to make friends or you move to a new area and it's hard to meet new people. And so my idea was basically that we would have a retreat that we would invite people to, that we would send them a book. And then I partnered with several publishing houses. I basically went through all of the up and coming books that were going to be happening that year that they wouldn't necessarily have access to and see if we could get copies for everyone. I reached out to out of print and asked if they would do uh, book backs for all of the books. And we also reached out to a particular publishing house about securing us a, a certain author that could, you know, really create a great book discussion. And so that was the idea of like, I'm just going to put this out in the world and see who's interested. We surveyed all of our readers first that were within the Facebook community mm. and everyone was like 80% wanting to be part of it. Then we surveyed them for area. Like, where do you live? You know, what are you looking for? Like, how long do you want it to be? And then we crafted up a weekend based around these things that people were mostly Midwest based that they, you know, wanted this type of, you know, reading retreat experience. And so we 
had an application process. And I think anytime you're doing a retreat, if you're, especially if it's a small one, if you're wanting to do that, I would advise doing it that way because, you know, it allowed me to understand why they wanted to be there and what what they were hoping to gain from it, if I was even going to be able to provide that for them, as well as kind of checking them out on Facebook, making sure it's not like someone who's inflammatory or, you know, is it being kind? Like we don't want to create that kind of group. And so I definitely did my research and then we invited people in and we said like, if you would like the spot, you can secure it. So we offered these spots up and all of these women came in. We had one woman coming in from Toronto. We had people coming from Arizona, California, um, just to spend a weekend together and read. And I just created activities that were all book activities. We did an interactive discussion with an author. We talked about the book club book. We did movies that had um, were originally books that became films and we watched them and kind of judged if the book was better versus the, you know, movie. We did book club discussion questions that were all like just bookish questions about our habits and reading. And then everyone got these great totes of books to take home and they've all been reading them and sharing. And so I'm thinking that that group might be a reunion group because everyone meshed so well together. I really could not have planned it better if I was like an orchestrated group. Right. Like I've had friendship groups that didn't work that well um, <laughs> and go on trips with, right? Um, traveling with people and being with people in that type of setting can sometimes be difficult. Yeah. And yet like all of these women were amazing. They all brought so much to the table. We provided all the meals and we filled the fridge with all their favorite drinks and we did wine nights and all of that kind of stuff. We had ice cream Sunday bar nights and it was just so much fun. It was fun to be taken care of. Uh, my only regret is that we didn't extend it by an extra day because we only made it Friday through Sunday and travel got ended up being difficult, which is typical for yeah. some reason in the Midwest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it ended up being this fantastic event. And so we're definitely planning to do another one. I might like to keep this one group together if they want to stay together mm -hmm. and, and host a completely different group. Uh, we have a separate newsletter for that, but there's a post on our site too where you can read about the reading retreat and sign up for the separate newsletter that is just targeted towards people that would like to apply for next year. And we'll have to like sit down and start mapping out what that's going to look like um, for the next one because, you know, we've grown so much. I think we've probably grown by a thousand people since wow. this retreat started. And so our whole demographic may have shifted, you know, where we need to be located regionally or all of that kind of stuff and really rethink or, or, or maybe we just stay in the same environment. But right. now that I've got it down, I feel like I really think that this is like a sustainable thing where people want to meet and talk about books and bookish people are special people. <laughs> a lot of people are introverts yeah. and we wanted to create, that's why it never expanded beyond 16 people, because I think that's as much as we all can handle. And we like to create an environment where if you want to introvert too, you can fully do that without any guilt. And so that's kind of how it started. And I'm excited to keep doing this. It was so much fun. It was exhausting, um, hard work, but it was the mo probably the most rewarding thing I've done this year. Love it. Well, we will definitely link up to um, the place where they can you know, learn more about it and sign up for that email list. And gosh, Amy, this has been so great. It's really great to hear that your retreat went so well because we were still talking about it last time I saw you. <laughs> um, love that it was a big success. And I think that people are going to 
find this conversation really helpful because I know that this is kind of this invisible problem um, where people are struggling with different uh, chronic pain and chronic illness issues. And it's just, I'm sure any, any community they can find or any information they can get is really helpful. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.